ManaDeprived.com is proud to present Top 8 Magic Podcast with Michael J. Flores and Brian David Marshall. Brought to your ears thanks to FaceToFaceGames.com. Hey everybody, Brian David Marshall here with Zvi Moshowitz. Part 3 of our set review for Theros Beyond Death. We're on gold right now. Uh, we started with a lure of the unknown, and uh, you're not that impressed with this, are you, Zvi? No. I think that when you draw a lot of cards, it's really, really bad to let one of them not get cast, like the one that they care about the most. Yeah. Because you're going to hit affected air so often. It's even worse when they get to cast it. For free. For free. Now. Yeah. Draw, just draw like the top six cards of whatever deck is near you. Lay them out. Lay them out. Figure out which one your opponent would take. Because two of them are lands. Yeah. Figure out which one your opponent's going to take. Yeah, maybe three. And... Yeah, the, did you even get ahead here? Yeah, like what happens? This, this, this card seems just like... You can play Escape from the Wilds for the same mana. Yeah. Yeah, Escape from the Wilds is, is one fewer card drawn, sort of. You have to do a little work, but... You have to do a little work. But you get extra land drops. You have a whole turn cycle to... You know, deploy everything. I, I have a very hard time imagining this being good. I'm sure Sam Black will try. <laughs> I wish him luck. <laughs> right, it re- requires a certain amount of hubris to play this card, right? Like, yeah, take my best card. I'll beat you anyway. I don't think it's hubris <laughs> so much as like, that's fine, my cards are bad. <laughs> they won't you, do anything for you. Hubris or humility. <laughs> yeah, it's humility, yeah. exactly. Um... It'd be great either way. <laughs> Ashiok Nightmare Muse is up next. That's three blue black for a five casting cost, or five loyalty planeswalker, uh, plus one, create a two three nightmare token that's blue and black, and then whenever it attacks, you get to exile the top two cards. So I, I had a dream that we had to restart the podcast, so we lost the story <laughs> of how I had a dream last night. <laughs> and then all my explaining about how Ashiok is just not as good as Teferi on any level, but I'm going to play it anyway. Why do you have lost. Why do you have Ashiok is bad written in magic marker on your forehead? All right. Yeah, this, this card's like... It's fine. It's fine. It's You'll fine. play it. Yeah, I, I will. You'll be okay with it. Yeah. I mean, it, it actually, I think we've gotten a little spoiled about what Planeswalkers are like, you know? I think they're a lot spoiled in how cards are like. That's fair. And this is no longer trying to be the completely obscene card that's just better than all, right? Right. Like Jace the Mind Sculptor or Teferi Hero of Dominaria. Right. And now we only have, and then Oka got banned, so now we only have Teferi Time Raveler that's just ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Only yeah. one Planeswalker is yeah, stupid? Yeah, some, with some, like, minor stupidness from Oko. I mean, not Oko, Karn, occasionally. Karn's fine, whatever. Yeah. They didn't even ban Karn for power level reasons. They just, like, have this thing where, oh my god, someone is technically not dead and can't cast their spells. We must act. And, uh, I mean, hashtag market research, question mark? But I, I, I was pretty sad to see that banning. I was... I was glad to see an honest explanation of what was going on and being frank and a willingness to do things because they're not fun in principle. Yeah, what, are you, what are you talking about? Like my Lattice, yeah. But it's just, I don't understand what the big deal is. I'm glad I didn't fish. I have a box filled with like a million middle school era magic cards. Sure. 
of which there were probably a dozen mycosynth lattices that I probably should have dug out three weeks ago and sold because they were probably like, I think, 70 or 80 bucks or something stupid like that. So I'm glad I didn't go through it. Both like disappointed that I didn't do it, but also glad I didn't do it. Because as we've established earlier, I wouldn't have sold them. Exactly. You've known how much you had and then not doing <laughs> anything. They're like bitcoins. Yeah. Um, actress Oracle of Half-Truths. Two blue-black for a 3-2 menace. Not sure why this card does not feel super uh, rare-worthy to me. Um, except for the mechanic that's on it, which Mechanics I love. Awesome. I love the mechanic. It feels rare to me because it's not, it's such a unique right. set of things to happen. But, but the body that's attached to it feels like what's an uncommon body. What's confusing to me is sort of, you know, the, the, the pitch meeting where someone says, you know, and they'll be, th and, and we'll make her 3-2 and we'll give her mess. <laughs> Why? Yeah. Right? Like, how is this something anyone wants? Right. So when Atris Oracle of Half-Truth centers a battlefield, target opponent looks at the top three cards of your library and separates them into a face-down pile and a face-up pile. Uh, you put one pile into your hand and the other into your graveyard. It's a, it's a, it's a really delightful little right, so sub-game. Right, your opponent has to decide whether you're going to take the top, how to make you take the pile that they want you to take. Yeah. And they don't know what you want. Right. If this card was, like, I don't know what the stats need to be on this card for it to be really good. Like, I'm imagining we start at, like, 2-4. Yeah. I, I, think, I think it starts to be significantly better at 3-3 three, three even. Yeah. Like, 2-4 is better than 3-3 three, three for yeah. obvious reasons. Yeah. But, but, like, I feel like this is a card you would write multiple blog posts about the game theory of, you know... The two piles. I would like to think that I would. I would like to be able to. <laughs> but like, I don't think you, yeah. I don't think you will because it just won't come up that often. No, I, mean, I really like the idea of you know, do you do you want to keep the fish or do you want to trade it for what's in the box? Yeah, really interesting. Um, okay, so bronze hide lion, so. This is a watch wolf. It's GW for a 3-3. Three, three. I feel like I'm being taken I feel like I'm being taken back to like old Pro Tours, right? Yeah. Like, uh, and then for green white, bronze hide lion gains indestructible until end of turn. And then there's this really weird text box. It becomes an aura. Yeah, when bronze hide lion dies, returns to the battlefield, it's an aura enchantment with enchant creature you control. And green white. Enchanted creature gains indestructible end of turn and loses all other abilities. Conceptually, it's actually pretty simple. Yeah. Right? Yep. It's just a lot of words to get there. Yeah. But more importantly, it's just meh. Right? Yeah. It's like, okay, sure, question mark. It's a decent set of power toughness for what you're paying for it. It's not wonderful. It's like, I've been playing Barkai Troll. Right? Which is another one of these three threes that kind of protects itself. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, yeah, I guess I played this card, but it's always sad. Yeah. Right? Like, I'm never actually happy about it. I probably shouldn't be playing this. Find something better. You just need more upside than this. Why isn't, it a, why isn't it an enchantment creature to start with? Because it's a, it's a lion. I understand. It's flavor. Uh, top down. It's yeah. a top down. Okay. Um, 
Calyx Destiny's Hand. I, I like this card a lot. Uh, Did I two, it wrong? Two, well, I like it. I'm going to play it in my Estrid deck. Uh, 2GW uh, for a 4 loyalty Planeswalker. Plus one, look at the top four cards of your library. You may reveal an enchantment card from among them and put that card into your hand. To be clear, you're saying, no, I didn't misread this card. No, you didn't misread it. I, I clarified. Okay. I said, you know, I'm going to play it in my commander deck, which has enchantments and does stuff. I mean, I might not even, actually, because it's redundant to Astrid, but... Um, minus three, exile, target, creature, or enchantment you don't control until target enchantment you control leaves the battlefield, which is kind of sweet, right? Just turn, turn a random enchantment you have uh, into a retroactive Oblivion Ring, which is kind of neat. Kind of, yeah. Uh, and then minus seven, uh, replenish. So, uh, not something you're worried about playing with, but uh, I kind of no. like. Yeah. Uh, all right, Dalikos, Crafter of Wonders. And this is, uh, I'm wondering about whether or not this is something that we could see play. One red blue for two four legendary creature, Merfolk Artificer, and it has tap to add colorless, colorless, Spend this mana only to cast artifact spells or activate abilities of artifacts. Equipped creatures you control have flying in haste. I feel like the second line might be a... Uh, mislead? Mislead, yeah. Like The, the first line is, if, if this card is interesting, it's going to be there, right? Like in terms of... Maybe, or maybe both. So, I, Renowned Weaponsmith is the first thing to point out. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah right. It's a card you liked a lot. It's a card I liked a lot in theory. The problem being that the artifacts are terrible. Yeah. Or rather, there are things like, I mean, like, Witching Well and Grass Casket and, like, they don't even think they're artifacts. <laughs> but the, like, legitimate artifacts to ramp to are pretty bad. So you don't end up doing anything with this. Um, but if you have eight things that each provide two mana for artifact purposes, and one of them can dig up some equipment, right? You can dig up Heart Pierce Spell. So using that to get Heart Pierce Spells that also give flying and haste to your creatures. That's not nothing. Right. Like, you can certainly imagine the plan being, I'm going to equip a Gate Colossus with a Heart Piercer Bow as a just general first-line plan for a deck. Now, the deck is probably horrible because <laughs> I have no idea how you finish that and it's not terrible. But, you know, it's a start, right? Sure. The problem is, how the hell do you do anything else that's interesting? Um, also, there's a Equip 8... Um, right? Yeah. Plus 10, plus 10. Oh, sure. The hammer. The hammer. So you could try to, like, ramp to 8 with that somehow, with, like, 8 cards that provide 2 each. You could try to put it on Fervor Champion, maybe? Yeah. Where it's cheaper? What, what did you give this card? Uh, Curious. Probably 2 stars? I was gonna, I might, 2 is my guess. Yeah. I mean, I haven't finished the uh, the gold section yet. I haven't. I, I'm doing them by color pair rather than by name, so I haven't gotten to it yet. Okay. I'm probably gonna give it two stars. Okay. Uh, card that I'm predicting you gave more than two stars, mostly because I've talked to you about it already, is Dream Trawler. Yes. <laughs> two WW UU uh, creature Sphinx Flying Lifelink. This is this is a candidate for the four star. It's a three five. Whenever you draw a card, Dream Trawler gets plus one, plus zero until end of turn. So this is generally a four or five on your turn. 
Uh, and then whenever an attacks draw a card... It's a 5-5. Five, five. So it's a 5-5. Five, five. And then discard a card, Dream Trawler, gains Hexproof until end of turn, tap it. Yep. This card seems great. I mean, it's expensive. It's hard to for a creature to make the cut at 6-6. Six, six. Yeah. I mean, it's oh, a kind of... I slightly misread it, so I will have to, like, downgrade it a bit. But it's still good. Well, what's your slight misread? Oh, I thought it could untap it. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I'm just so used to creatures being bonkers, I just kind of assumed. Yeah. I mean, I guess I should have thought about like, the other creatures that say tap it when you, like, make them indestructible or whatever, right. but... Um, yeah. I mean, you turn any card in your hand into a counterspell to protect it, though. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't mean they can't attack, though. Right? Yeah, yeah. So, an attack can get you the card. Yeah. yeah. So I'm just adjusting my, my text quickly before I forget. Yeah. But, you know, it's still very good. I just think it's not a four-star card if it's tap instead of untap. Right. It's a very good finisher, I think, for white-blue. Right? Because you play it, they can't kill it, you start drawing a card every turn, if you time up, it comes back to your hand. You gain five life a turn when you attack, forcing them to overcommit. There's just a lot of things you want it to do. Right. You don't have to like invest a billion mana like you do right now for all your finishers. You'd rather not do. Yeah. So. Uh, Enigmatic Incarnation is a card we talked about a little bit earlier. Two green blue for an enchantment. At the beginning of your end step, you may sacrifice another enchantment. If you do, search your library for a creature card with converted mana cost equal to one plus the sacrifice enchantments, converted mana cost, put that card onto the battlefield and shuffle your library. Yep. Remember when we had this prime speaker thing that was gonna be great? Yeah. And then it turned out it was terrible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm so sad about that. I thought <laughs> it was gonna be great. It still exists, we can brew with it. And yet, not so much. So this lets you do that by sacrificing enchantments instead of creatures, and yes. it's not instead of on a two four, it's on an enchantment, which might be somewhat safer. Right. And there are some enchantments you want to get rid of or have done their job. Sure. In some sense. So there's something there potentially, but it's still a four mana investment, and you have to sacrifice another enchantment. So the first turn you do this, you're not going to get a five, right? You're right. going to get a four. The best you can get is a four. Right. A turn late. Right. It'll, but it also serves as a, you know, if you sack a two, you can get a three, which could be your enchantress. It can do things. It can be a success. It can certainly champion. start, yeah, the color requirements on, like, these decks are going to be nuts. Right? Because blue is just not a card you want. Right. Naturally, in yeah. what we're doing. So, yeah, I just see this as, like, very out of place. It is, but it's also just traditionally a very powerful effect, right? It powerful. is, but also traditionally you get, it, you get to cheat on the cost of it more than this. Right. In exchange for that. Right. Right. Yeah, no, that's fair. Yeah, uh, also, it's at the beginning of your end step, right? It's a very specific time. Oh, yeah, the ones yeah, that are yeah. good are triggered by you when you want them to. I mean, the advantage of that is you get it immediately at the end of your first turn, right? So you get a four drop on the spot, hopefully, but... Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's better. I'm, I'm skeptical this is a standard thing. Certainly in older formats where you have a lot of different things to choose from. You have a lot of competition, but you have a lot of tools. Yeah. I mean, in the Saltai deck, sacking that enchantment that 
you drew three cards off of seems... I mean, that's the first place to go, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, you go that on turn three, and then immediately this on turn four, get a four drop. And then... There's also the, the blue, drugs. like, if you go back to older sets, there's, like, the time spiral block, blue enchantment. That's, like, sac you know, when you sacrifice it, draw two cards. But it's just... Or if it goes to your graveyard... Well, there's also the pack that, like, kills you on this fourth turn. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So there's things you can... There's things you can... There's do. only things. Yeah. Uh, Galia of the Endless Dance. When I came in this morning, this is a card. Zvi was furiously looking for satyrs that just don't exist in standard beyond what's ever in this set. By which I meant I just hadn't quite bothered to run the search yet. <laughs> I meant furious like you were mad that there weren't that there more weren't. satyrs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Without having to look, I was like, I don't remember any good satyrs. Yeah. And so, it's sort of weird, like, why are you teasing me with this? Like, the card's actually fine, right? Like, it's, you just delete that line to avoid, like, misleading me. I think the card's fine. Uh, so, Galea of the Endless Dance, green-red for a 2-2 legendary satyr. Haste, other satyrs you control get plus one, plus one, and have haste. Uh, whenever you attack with three or more creatures, you may discard a card at random if you do draw two cards. Yep. So... Like, you have a 2-2 haster for turn two, or you can just wait till turn three or four and get a trigger immediately. Right. And and one thing I was thinking about with this was I worked on a bunch of uh, Gilded Goose Arboreal Grazer decks earlier. Yeah. And one of the problems is that they kind of, like, flood out slash desperate we need to find their lands. Yep. And so this can actually potentially help you a lot with those problems and give you a two-drop bridge that and, you desperately need. And, and also just a card that also helps you... Dig to your Embercleave. Embercleave, absolutely. Yes, or whatever else you want. Yeah. yeah. Right. Well, I'm just saying, like, oh, I'm attacking with three creatures. How convenient. It's just, Let me see if I can find an Embercleave. Oh, there it is, bam. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let me see if I can find an Embercleave in my top two. Yeah, and that's quite immediately. That's got a lot of different things one could do. It's not a great place to put the Embercleave, unfortunately, but that's that's fine. that's fine. In theory, it's turn three. Yeah. So like it's it's an interesting card on many levels. It's probably good. It's probably it's really interesting in a straight gruel, like normal gruel. Right. right. You just have that option. Right. It is it is the card most likely to be played by Javier Dominguez in the next three months. You know, red green haste creature. Seems. Yeah, I'm still not convinced it's better than the beetle. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. Uh. All right, moving on, uh, we talked a bunch about top-down designs. This is Hactos, the Unscarred. This is the Achilles uh, stand-in. Yeah, Hactos is an interesting, like, it's, the card is a little hacky. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> so red, red, white, white for a 6-1. Legendary creature, human warrior. Uh, it attacks each turn if able. Um, as Hactos enters the battlefield, choose two, three, or four at random. Uh, then Hactos has protection from each converted mana cost other than the chosen number. That is, so if you roll a three, it has protection from one, zero, from one, from two, from four, from five, from six, from seven, from eight, etc., etc., etc. It's only vulnerable to threes, which is sad because your opponent has murderous riders. Sorry. Uh, Very sad. But, you know, a lot of times this is just... You know, the the card that this most obviously gets compared to is True Name Nemesis. You know, as, as a standard analog for that. It's going to do a good True Name Nemesis impression a lot of the time. Not every time, but a lot of the time. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, where, where, where did you put this card? I haven't gotten to it yet. Okay. So I have to decide. Um, red, red, white, white is not a place you want to be right now. Sure. Um, and also the fact that it can't be held back. It has to attack. Makes a lot of decks reluctant to play it. So you have to be pretty in on the concept. But maybe we can make a, you know, Boros <laughs> great again. I don't it, know. Can, it can never hold <laughs> an Ember Cleave, sadly. No. That's another thing. It can never hold an Ember Cleave. So my guess is it's probably not going to be that impressive. But, you know, it's a scary thing. Certainly a great sideboard card. Sure. If you have the ability to cast it. Yeah. Uh, Clothis, God of Destiny, 1RG for a 4-5 god. Uh, like other previous two-color gods, uh, your devotion has to be 7 to a combination of red and green for it to be a creature. And then at the beginning of your pre-combat main phase, you exile a target card from a graveyard. If it was a land card, you add red or green to your mana pool. Otherwise, you gain 2 life, and Clothis deals 2 damage to each opponent. Clothis is a scrappy dude, right? What? Clothis is just scrappy do. <laughs> <laughs> we need a red green god. <laughs> Annoying sidekick? Yeah, basically. Um, you know, some, some pretty powerful abilities uh, historically, right? Like exiling car land cards to uh, make mana, you know, exiling cards to, you know, deal damage to your opponent reminiscent of Deathrite Shaman, but you pointed out that in standard, getting land cards into your graveyard or having them be in your opponent's graveyard is pretty unusual. It's about the old passage. Yeah. It's only one card. Yeah. And that's not that exciting. Yeah. So, I mean, it does ramp you from four to five on turn, you know, on, your, on that turn. Maybe? It's unlikely to. Well, if you fable, you sack your fable. Yeah, if you passage. have a fable passage. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but like you still have to you just do it. It's not like and like decks that want this you're not gonna want to play Fable Passage in my opinion. Otherwise sure. so you're kinda of forced to do it. I and mean, it's not that big a deal, but you are forced right. to do it. And like just draining your opponent for two with your three drop is Right. The qu the question I have is not what I want to do. How, how often in a world where people want to escape and you know, how prevalent will that desire be among your opponents and how often will people have gone through some pains to self-mill themselves early in a game that you are more likely to have this card do something. Yeah. And it's not that fast either, right? It's yeah. a three drop that doesn't remove anything for a turn. Yeah, and won't be a creature for probably a couple turns. Seven is quite a bit. You know, to find five additional pips yeah. is, you know, pretty tough. Yeah, I'm going to keep it a few stars. I'm just not into this. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. So there's a bunch of cards that are two-color cards with escape. We've talked about, we've alluded to them earlier. Uh, one of them is Croxa, Titan of Death's Hunger. Yes. Red-black for a 6-6. Six, six. When it enters the battlefield, you sacrifice it if it was... Uh, we'll just do all three at once Unless here. it escaped, yeah. sure. Um, this is the highlight, guys. Pay attention. Yeah. When Croxus enters the battlefield or attacks, each opponent discards a card. Then each opponent who didn't discard a non-land card this way loses three life. And then it has escape, black, black, red, red, exile five other cards from your graveyard. Yes. Then there's Blue Kronos Unchained. Right. Blue Kronos Unchained uh, is four mana, two green, black for a zero, zero that enters the battlefield with six plus one, plus one counters. Or escapes with 12. Or escapes with 12. 
Uh, if damage would be dealt to Blue Kronos while it has a counter on it, prevent that damage or remove that many counters. It has one black green. Fight. Blue Kronos fights another creature. And then it has escape six, four in black green. Exile six other cards from your graveyard. And then we have Uru, Titan of Nature's Wrath. Yeah. Which is... When Uru enters the battlefield, sacrifice it unless it escaped. When it enters the battlefield or attacks, you may gain three life and draw a card. Then you may put a land card from your hand onto the battlefield. Because, you know, these things are all optional in case you didn't want Yeah, to. yeah. Uh, escape, GGU, exile five other cards from your graveyard. So, Uru is a gross spiral, gain three life for one GU. And then later it escapes and does it again when it comes into play. And again, every time it attacks, it, it is success. It is also best friends ever. With Cavalier of Thorns. Oh my, yes. You do this on turn three, you go turn four Cavalier of Thorns, turn five you bring back Uru. You know, you can do the same, similar things with Pulkronos, obviously. Yeah. Um, or Kroxar as well. Yeah, I mean, for, first first take on the format is you've got to be thinking about a Sultai uh, ramp deck. Yeah, I, I think my first thought on this format is Pulkronos is insane. Right, like you're getting a 6-6 six, six base that can start fighting things that then comes back later. Uru is insane. Together these make escape amazing, make self-mill amazing. And then we have, you know, a combination of um, Cavalier of Thorns, our wits about us, and potentially even, we skipped the card, but Ramatmus Pursuit. Uh, it's 2G, Sorcery, reveal the top four cards of your library, you put a creature card and or a land card upon mm. your hand, put the rest into your graveyard. That seems to be a much more exciting thing to do than to, like, try to remember the Titans. <laughs> right? Like, you might two for one, you get them immediately, you use mill four cards instead of three, costs a little more mana, but, like, seems a lot better. Yeah. Yeah. So, we can sort of, we have a lot of tools, um, you know, we have blue in our deck, potentially, so we can just, like, Start with her secret keeper if we want to. We ask ourselves, you know, is there a way to get uh, Emery into the stack, for example? Sure. You know, there's a bunch of different ways we can explore self mill. But yeah, I think we got a lot of options. Um, and this is the natural place to start, right? I didn't brew here first because I was brewing in sort of color order. Right. But this is like the place that I would start if I had a serious competition coming up, for sure. Right. Blueprint is clearly ridiculous. Uh, Uru is pretty ridiculous. Crux is less obviously ridiculous because casting it the first time kind of feels like a chore a little bit. Sure. It's black, red, and then they discard a card, which right. is like, eh. You know, I'm kind of, I, I can take it or leave it. I gotta tell you, people keep playing, what is it, Vicious Rumors or Vicious Whispers? They don't win. I know they don't win, but like this card might make them more likely to win than that card. <laughs> <laughs> you mean that, that without the escape? Yeah. We didn't have the escape on it? Yeah, yeah. yeah probably would. Uh, also, it gets you a sacrifice trigger, right, when you cast it. Right. Which might matter. Sure. Right, because like, there's a lot of things to say when you sacrifice to something, so that's that's not nothing. Right. Uh, and the escape cause, you have five other cards, I'm not sure where they come from, but if you do, 6-6, six, six, discard another card, pretty nice. Yeah. Um, so yeah, these are the cards to watch out for, right? This is, this is what we're all about. Yeah. And the card in charge of watching out for them is... Kunaros, Hound of Athreos, you know, uh, one white-black for a 3-3 three, three legendary creature hound, vigilance, menace, lifelink. Creature cards in graveyards can't enter the battlefield. 
And players can't cast spells from graveyards. Ah, copyright and IP. <laughs> this card's a jerk. Yeah. This card can be a jerk. It's got a lot of good things going on. Right? It's got a six-point life swing every turn with Menace. It's got Vigilance to try and block. It's in colors that have access to all sorts of removals. Mock the graveyard down. Yeah. I'm into it. If you, like, depending on what's out there, like, it's certainly the risk of 3-3 just not being that relevant is the downside yeah. here. Flash people just doing other things and you feeling stupid. Like, why is the Civic Flash deck facing this thing? Like, what's going to happen? Nothing. Right. Like, right. Great. You know, but it's, it's, it's quite the card. Yeah. So... Yeah, it's good to have some good solutions. I'm not sure about whether they're too good, but it's there. So. And that's, uh, that's, that's really it. That's gold cards, and then the artifacts will be very quick, because they're not good. <laughs> uh, so we get Nick's Lotus, which is, um, you get, you get, um, your devotion to a color in mana, but it ends with a battlefield tap, and it costs four. So... In general, if you untap with the four mana, the four mana mana producing artifact, you can just cast all your spells. Right. This is just like that, but if you don't have anything else, it doesn't do it. So like, I'd much rather just get two cards mana. Sure. Out of the deal. Yep. You know, even though the upside on this is tremendous, I just don't think it matters very often. Right. So that's the only rare, actually. Uh, no, there's also Shadow Spear. Oh, technically. One, one mana. Oh, is that rare? Yeah, one mana equipment. And oh, okay. creature gets, the lands are shuffled in or something? No, no, no. equipped creature gets plus one, plus one, and has trample and lifelink. But then it there? has yeah. but it has one colon permanent your opponent's control, lose hexproof, and indestructible until end of turn. And by the way, it doesn't need to be equipped for that. No, it doesn't. So that's... So it's like... So the equipment is kind of the reminder tax. By the way, we're going to like give you a small bonus like you equip this card. That's not yeah. what this is for. Yeah. 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 I don't like this card. I don't think this is necessary that often. It's a lot of... I just... Look, if, if people are investing really heavily in Destructible, maybe you... Have I mean, to do this. It gives you an answer to gods, right? Like, it gives you... It doesn't. It lets you answer gods. It lets you, yeah. The answer. No, no, that's fair. So yeah, I'm not you. You're down a card. Like, yeah. it doesn't... Yeah, I, I think the best enchantment in the set is probably... Our best artifact in the set is probably an uncommon in Soul Guide Lantern. Right, it's one mana. Uh, when Soul Guide Lantern enters the battlefield, exile target card from a graveyard. And the only candidates are that and Alter the Pantheon. Yeah. Uh, an Alter just seems bad because there's no room. Nobody wants devotion. Right. And then tap, sacrifice Soul Guide Lantern, exile each opponent's graveyard. And then one and uh, tap, sacrifice Soul Guide Lantern, draw a card. So, you know, sort of a... It, insurance policy. Yeah, and again, I, I'm not sure why you would put this card in this set. And I understand why it's what it's there for. I'm scared. But like colorless, they're giving escape. everybody an answer. They're to putting escape clauses in the format in yeah. case things go wrong. That is a good idea in general. I don't disapprove. However, yeah, I think this is an... There seems like it's a super excessive paranoia here. Yes, it's a black. That, that's that's my that's yeah. my take. There's there like five different. Of, there's a lot of graveyard hate. I don't know if there's five, but there's a lot of different like graveyard hate options, and like there doesn't need to be this many. Right. And and this is certainly the one that's I think most likely to see 
constructed play. Yeah. And, and, and possibly a card that, you know, is going to see play in older formats, too. I think it's that or maybe... I mean, the Cerebus is pretty good, too. Which one? Cerebus. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So... All right, so so what are your what are your top cards out of the whole set? You know, as we as we've looked through all the cards now. Right, so the temples, obviously. Right. Um, oh yeah, we didn't talk about the yeah, lands, but we got Uru, we got Pelucranos. Um So you have the temples. You you could actually put those three cards even in one. Yeah, Uru Pukrinos to some extent. I mean, I'm not, you know, I have to think about, like, Kroxa and Corona, Kunoros more to right. know if I, like, if I make the cut. Um, you know, let's see. In black, so green, like, the pickings are pretty slim in green, honestly. Like, I am very unimpressed. Like if I had to pick a best green card, I would probably pick the first ever own games. Which one? The first ever own games. Oh, sure. And like it's pretty hard for me to like put that in the top ten slot of a set at this point. Okay. Like, it's a pretty damning thing to say if it makes the cut. Uh, red, Underworld Breach. Yeah. You know, pretty far away, like this card is awesome. Oxavagonus, you know, certainly a candidate. You know, for all the formats it's impressive. Um Looking at black, I'm just scanning, you know, scanning this yeah. out again just to see what what's out there, rather than looking at my notes. Agonizing remorse by a mile. Yeah. You know, yeah. I really hope it's not the best card in this set. Right. Like, because I really don't want it to be. Yeah. But I think it's very possible, unfortunately, that it is. Um, yeah, I mean, like, can you imagine you go through all the effort, you're like, I'm going to play some... I'm going to play an Enchantress stack, even though I only have this one good Enchantress, but I think I can do something, and then you're just like, turn two, your opponent goes, oh, take your Enchantress. You have now a handful of goofy enchantments. Go. You know, it's... I assure you I have had that experience before. Yeah, I, I mean, it's pretty, it feels like it's, it's pretty brutal. Good. And like a whole, like... Pies, you know, segment of of the pie yeah. has access to that card. Yeah. It's not like like we said, thought erasure, very prevalent card in standard, but in a very narrow section of decks. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So blue, um, it'd be Ashiok's Eraser or Orkior best the Sea God, but again, like when I think of true highlights of sets, these cards do not take me where I want to go. White has three. Right? It has uh, Daxos and Gilead and it has Shadow of the Sky. Okay. You, uh, did you, did you, when you said, did you say Ashiok's Erasure when you were talking about the blue cards? Yeah. Yeah. It's just, uh... I think it's like three candidates in white, two candidates in blue, one in black. That's six. Uh, one in red, that's seven. Like, basically none in green. Like, maybe, you know, I run games at most is eight. Like, just in terms of, like, the the soft count to like before we cut it down, right? And then we've got a bunch of gold cards. We've got Uru for sure. We've got Pelucranos for sure. Those are probably my one and two. Two, two blue cards that I really like and I'm gonna just keep an eye yeah. on. And I, I don't I don't think they're slam dunks by any means, but Cura Best the Sea God is one Yeah, I'm gonna have two, yeah. And uh, Nadir Kraken is a card that I'm really interested to see. Yeah, maybe. Uh, if, it, if it can like 
occupy yeah. some weird sideboard spot yeah, where it gets I, to take over games. Like, like I think about Hakdos and Kurunos and Kroxa, you know, and, and Galia maybe, you know, depending on exactly where I think it fits in various things or possible candidates. And then, of course, we have the temples. Um, we also potentially have Labyrinth of Scophos, which we didn't talk about because we just randomly skipped it at the end. Which one, which one is that? The land. Oh, okay. It's tap for Car- it's tap for Carlos, or four tap move target attacking or blocking creature from combat. Oh, yeah, I didn't. And completely I... untapped. So it's Ooh. Carlos. So it, it's a, it's a, it's, a, it's a you know, it's giving up a card meta source. But if you can afford that, right? If that's if that's an action you can do, right? Then this is a pretty nice thing to have access to. In fact, I think it's far and away the best Carlos land in the standard. Yeah. I mean, Field of Ruin is back as well, which is certainly worth noting. Right. I don't think it, there's much call for it right now. Sure. So. Yeah, so, I mean, safe, safe to say somewhat a little underwhelmed by the set for you. Yeah, I think it would be safe to say a lot overwhelmed. Yeah. Underwhelmed compared to, like, Throne, right? And I'm, like, a lot of the cards, a decent number of the cards make me sad. I would say the design philosophy of Throne is visible in this set. There's a lot of cards that are like, what think about a concept in the world and let's make a card based on that concept and have it do whatever how many steps it needs to debate that concept. And all the good cards basically take over a game. Like all the good cards are like, here's the thing, this thing should just take over this game unless someone else stops you from taking over this game by taking over the game themselves or stopping your card from working or you know whatever. But It's just very hard to not do that if you're trying to compete with a set that does that already. Right. And this set has to do that. But sort of, I remember there was a um, a tweet from Ari Lax right when the set was starting to come out saying, the spoiler so far made me feel good about the set not echoing Throne of Aldrin's design philosophy. And Sam Black immediately said, wait, what? And then, let's just say Ari Lax five hours later tweeted out, this tweet is aged poorly. <laughs> <laughs> So, there's that. I, w- I will say on an optimistic note that uh, William Huey Jensen tweeted that he thought Limited was going to be a blast with this set. Right. To be clear, my philosophy about Limited, almost always, is don't pretend you know what's happening, you know what's good, you know if the set is good, if it's enjoyable, or if you're going to be good at it, you just got to show up and play. Yeah. You can restrategy you guys all you want, you can theorycraft all you want. I am not good enough to do that in a meaningful way. I have to show up. I have a pretty good record of pre-releases, just like seeing the pants, seeing what's good and just doing it. Yep. But that's not the question. The question is, is this fun? What is this format about? Yeah. I can't tell. I have no idea looking at the card. Yeah. It's about. Yeah. And I believe they may be limited set. They're making good limited sets. Yeah. Like more often than not. I haven't loved every set, but you know, the chances are high. I don't see anything here that I would be inclined to hate. Right. But like the last set I didn't like was War of the Spark for Limited. Right. And I knew. Right. Right. The moment I saw the sport, the announcement, before I saw the card, I was like, this is 36 right. Planeswalkers. Yay! Everyone gets a Planeswalker. It's not 36 too many Planeswalkers <laughs> when you any reaction. Certainly it's at least 33 too many Planeswalkers. Yeah. So you know, you've talked a little bit during this cast about this article you're writing. Uh, if people want to read uh, what you're working on, where 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 is your stuff landing these days? Cool stuff, Inc. So either you can go to WordPress 
thespeed.wordpress.com. You can find all my writings, magic and non-magic. Uh, and if I write a post at Cool Stuff, I will write a link post to refer you there. Okay. Or you can go straight to Cool Stuff Inc., where I and a number of other great writers uh, are writing magic articles now, completely free, completely open. Um, they've been a pretty great place to be. I do not have the infrastructure slash backing slash opportunity to do the whole I'm going to write twice a week and do lots of cool stuff all the time that I used to, but I can still get in a few every now and then when it's appropriate. This is a good time. I've got a 30-page monster draft in Google Docs right now that's not complete. It's going to have at least one more brew and talks on a few more cards, all of which are gold so they're Excellent. generally pretty good so you'll, you'll give me the inside scoop on what cards i should be like cashing my wild cards in for i thought, and... I, I, thought I just did but yeah. yeah i mean my plan is as always i'm going to be streaming i mean this is new i'm streaming but i'm gonna play limited for the first week or two yeah exclusively i'm not going to try and play constructed right away sure there's some glory to be had by saying you built the deck first yeah but i would rather Explore limited, get a feel for the cards that way. I always have right. build up a collection on arena, get ready, then burn my wild cards when I'm ready. And other people have laid the groundwork so I know what I'm up against to some extent. Like I've not necessarily deliberately been avoiding other people's takes, but haven't been seeking them out particularly. I want to have my own take. Right. And also, it seems like when I look at articles right now, everyone's so sick of standard compared to Pioneer okay. and Modern and all that, that people's takes on cards are just not related to standard. They're just sort of ignoring standard. Right. But also I think this set um, strangely might have a bigger impact on other formats than standard. Right. Well, and, and again, right, the the first tournament that it's going to impact is going to be a Pioneer tournament. So that will definitely be very impactful. Like Heliod is a big effing deal. Yeah. Like it might not be broken, but you need to have a plan for that and a deck that naturally runs with that end. Right. And also, any of the de anything that's devotion-based, you know, there's more devotion tools on the other side of Theros, you know, in Pioneer. So, you know, who knows what, who knows what brews can... can if you're Black Devotion, you just got a great removal spell, regardless of whether you use any other new things. Right. If you're other devotions, like, I don't know. Yeah. Well, White Devotion certainly is happy. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's the one I'm curious about. Double Heliod? Yeah. <laughs> Never go full Heliod. <laughs> I don't even right. remember what Heliod did back in the yeah, day. No, it, it wasn't great. It wasn't as good as this one. It's, it's the, not like they're making it up, right? Before the there was one that sucked, and now the other four suck? Yeah. <laughs> um, and then as far as uh, pre-release, I know I'm going to be at the Complete Strategist this weekend in the morning. Um it's the store I first bought Magic cards in in 1994. I've been going there uh, since long before that for to buy gaming stuff. That is my plan A. I uh, don't know if I'll our, make it, but that's my yeah, plan A. Our good friend Eric Smith uh, runs that. It's a it's a fun event with a lot of older New York players. Uh, if you want to come and hang out, that's where we'll be. Or at least some permutation of us will be. But uh, yeah, that's it. That's our look at Theros Beyond Death. Uh, it's been Brian David Marshall, Zvi Moshowitz for Top 8 Magic. Thanks for listening. All right, bye.